What's up, everybody? This is episode number 13 of the Mentality Podcast. I'm so glad to have another guest in another week. And this time it's a friend and he has a lot to unpack throughout this next hour. And I'm excited to have him on. He's my friend, Ali Ayash. A lot of people call him Ali Fall, but he doesn't like to be called that. Uh, <laughs> Ali, what's up, bro? Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Pleasure I'm, to be here. I'm excited to have you on. And I know you were asking me earlier about what type of questions we're going to get into. So let's get right to it. How have you been through this whole pandemic from beginning to now oh it's been tough especially since uh, it came right after i graduated so, same here yeah so, so when did you graduate uh june of 2019 wow it seems uh, like a long oh, time so you, okay so you had what, what was it seven eight months before covid hit yeah but i decided to take a seventh month vacation after i graduated <laughs> <laughs> so what did you which, do which i instantly regret okay i don't know man because it's uh I spent two years studying in engineering and then I switched and then I started another four years in IT. So it's been like six or seven years of s school. I feel you 100%. Yeah. I, yeah. And absolutely. I barely took any vacation during that time. So, so you like, just put your head down and go? Yeah. Right at it. Okay. And, uh, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to take a six month vacation. I think I deserved it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Then once COVID hit, I'm like, so yeah. is that why you regret it? I regret it from uh, from the aspect of uh, not starting look to look for a job early. earlier. Oh. Yeah. So like it, okay. it's, it's it's tough looking at all your uh, friends and classmates. They are they all have their jobs, mm -hmm. and you're sitting there during COVID just <laughs> uh, begging them to get to yeah, get you a job. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Okay. Well, for my situation, it was very almost similar because it took me over six years to get my four-year degree in psychology because my first two years i wasn't sure if i wanted to go into that right i was in biopharmaceutical sciences i thought i wanted to be a pharmacist i'm sure you know about the pressures your parents put on you about being a doctor or a lawyer in the arab culture yep, so absolutely so for for me it was hey be this or be this and i in the end for me i managed to get out of that and i told my parents i sat them down i said mom dad i am not going to be a doctor i'm sorry if that disappoints you i'm not going to be a lawyer I want to pursue something else. And they came around. They came around to it. But I almost fell into a mini depression, sort of, because I had friends that were graduating and I was still in school. So it really was hard on me. I don't know if you, you went to university or college or whatever with somebody and then they kind of move, you know, are progressing and you're still in school. Did you ever get affected by that? I mean, not really, no. because I've never been, I've never drifted away from like the the timeline for like when I'm supposed to finish when I'm supposed to graduate so as long as I was you know on track to yep. graduate during the four years of whichever program I was in I felt okay like there's no pressure it's not like there yeah, no pressure from your yeah. family or anything like that too no really no. especially since I was studying something that I enjoyed never felt the pressure if anything I know that Arab parents don't really I have to speak for myself because I don't I can't speak on every Arab parent but they don't really understand the the effects putting these pressures onto their children from from a young age right so from the moment in high school we'll kind of slowly nudge you and tell you hey you know you have to make us proud you have to do this and this and unless you have a father who has a business or a mother who is successful in something else and then you incorporate that maybe over time yeah. it's a very stressful time yeah i can definitely relate to that yeah it will slowly unpack that throughout the, the rest of this so you are one of my friends that I have that 
is not high maintenance. And by that, I mean, you don't... I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because there are people in my life, for example, where they constantly, if you don't keep in touch with them within a few weeks, they'll feel some type of way. The only time I either see you, to be frank, is if I... I'm kicking it with the other mutual friends that we have. And then that's kind of how I, I got close to you. I understand everyone has their own lives. Of course. Like, I'm not going to be mad at someone for not checking yeah. up on me. Mm -hmm. or And I expect the same from that person. I mean, that's what uh, social media is there for, right? Like, you, like I see you. You're doing all your podcasts. You're doing your own thing. Yeah. The next time I see you, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be like, hey, man. <laughs> where have you been? You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where have you been. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. So you mentioned social media. That's a very polarizing topic because I have a very addictive behavioral pattern. So I have to delete most of my social media apps on my phone because if I don't, then I know I'm just going to be on it. I have to put very drastic measures just to get stuff done. And because now a lot of people, including our friends that we have, they work from home, right? Yep. Have you had some experience with working from home or if not how is that whole process going since you said you finished in june 2019 and then until now has that process been easy finding a job has it been stressful like a lot of other people i mean it was stressful but uh it paid off eventually i mean i just got a job last week oh yeah nice okay um, is it something you like yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's in my field, okay. so nice. I'm still okay. getting there. In regards to having to delete your apps to focus, I do the same. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it dawned on me like a few months ago. It's like whenever I'd wake up, first thing you do is check your Instagram. Oh, man, Second yeah. thing you do, you check your Facebook. Oh. And then before you know it, three hours have passed. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It's definitely a waste of time if you use it in the wrong way. Absolutely. I mean, social media, just like you said, there's pros and cons yeah. and depends on how you use it. Yeah. If you utilize all the pros, yeah. it can be a, an amazing tool, uh -huh. you know, to keep, to keep, you know, socializing with your friends or to network, Absolutely. but using it a lot just to waste time. Uh, it's definitely a big con. So from what I know, you weren't born and raised here. Nope. You were from where exactly? Well, you tell me. I'm originally Palestinian. Okay. I was born and raised in Kuwait with a Jordanian Kuwait. passport. And then I moved to Canada and now a uh, dual citizen. Wow. Yeah, so wow. I don't even know where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> How has it been? And this is something that I knew early on with you, but I never really asked because there was never a moment in our group of friends where I was going to ask this. But how has it been not having your parents here, right? Am yeah. I right or am I assuming something? No, no, you're, you're right. When I first came here, well, first of all, when I started university, I was 16. <laughs> you can't even imagine living here 16 years old, Solo? all on your own. Yeah. I mean, the amount of responsibilities... Put on your shoulders. Oh, yeah, exactly. It was pretty tough, but uh, I think my parents did a good job uh, in raising me to uh, handle all these responsibilities. You were independent from a very young age, man. Yeah. Very I mean, young. my mom did come visit from time to time to check up on me, but she couldn't stay for long. But yeah, for the most part, I was alone. Well, my brother was with me as well. So we were both kind of, we had each other's backs. Uh -huh. And when you came here, did you know any English? Yeah. I mean, uh, a little okay, bit, so that helped. but uh, hence the name Fob. <laughs> it's crazy how much that that's what you wanted me around. to say <laughs> no absolutely not. how did that name just stick so prominently with someone uh, well the, th the thing with the name fob 
is uh, when I first met a few friends who were here for a while, one of the guys in the group had the title Fob. Then when I showed up, I was obviously much fobber than he was. Yeah. So the title just shifted to me. Okay. And ever since 2012, no one's ever joined the group who was fobber than I was. So it Really? So you think me. if somebody else joins oh trust group. me i've been trying to get a faber <laughs> guy to join the group i so have they adopt that nickname right <laughs> exactly but it's not working out man okay well i'll keep an eye out for if i see someone i'll make sure to hit you up say hey maybe you should become friends with Please. this person to introduce them absolutely <laughs> i think the biggest quality someone can have is knowing how to be independent so they don't rely on anybody or they don't expect anything from anyone and I feel from your experiences that may be the case, right? Because you, it was just what you're saying is you and your brother. Yep. So you had to maneuver through a bunch of obstacles when you first came here. Yep. Yeah, of course we did. Has there been pressure from your family or from your relatives outside just saying, hey, you know, you're getting older, maybe it's time to look for someone or whatever? Because I'm getting that. And, uh, I'm, yeah, and I still live at home, so. <laughs> well, the pressure did start to mount once my older brother got married. Oh. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's going to trickle down, because <laughs> I'm the yeah. oldest one, so I, I can't imagine if I got married, they'd put that pressure on my younger brother. Can you be more specific and tell me what exactly did you have to learn being here on your own? Whereas other people, you know, they can go back home after a long day and they have food made for them by their parents. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I've been pampered by my parents for 16 years. Then all of a sudden, I got to make my own food. Yeah. I got to... Laundry. Know, I got to do my... Exactly. I got to yeah. do my own laundry. got to pay my own bills. Oh, man. Got to yeah. go to work somehow. You yeah, know, yeah, I've yeah. never been used to buses. Uh, we didn't have that back home. My parents fled as refugees and came here. For you, did you come here just to seek a better life? Or? Well, it was mostly to seek... I wouldn't say a better life. Maybe a different life. Uh maybe a better education than uh, back home. The standards here are much better than back home. My mom loves loves it here. Like she would love to move here. But uh, my dad, he just hates the winter. He can't stand it. I mean, I don't blame him. This guy's lived in a desert for 15 yeah. years. You know? Oh man, that's, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, he just can't stand it. So uh, he'd rather so stay the there. Okay. Wow. That's the main reason for my dad, for sure. That's but so uh, they already have their lives figured out over Except, there. Yeah. They already, like, are, the, their families are already over there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it didn't really make sense to come here. I mean, the plan was for us to come here, get an education and go back home. So but, for you and your brother. Yeah. yeah, but then once we graduated, uh, well, my brother, he got lucky, he got married. And, uh, lucky, what do you say? Uh, he got lucky as in he found a perfect girl life. for okay. him. Okay. Yeah, because so, it's not it's, it's not easy to find a, an Arab girl yeah. here. Your specifications, yeah, you know. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm buying a car. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, I want these rims on yeah, this. I want <laughs> this trim. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In our cultures, it's very difficult for older individuals to understand the concept of mental health and and the whole idea about I am going through something right now, and your parents may not understand that, or they can't understand where you're coming from. I've heard the argument where they had so much on their plate, so they didn't have time to be alone in the thoughts and think, oh, this is very tough. Oh, what am I going to do? And crumbled. They rose to the occasion and they made a better life for their family. So what do you think about that mentality of people from the Middle East, how they don't acknowledge mental health the same way people in the West do? Uh, Sorry, that was a long question just no, to get to that point. Okay. See, the thing is about mental health and people, you know, saying that they have mental issues, they have anxiety. I think using those words often enough 
will get you those symptoms you know what i mean okay like okay. Keep, if you keep telling yourself oh i have anxiety or is this is this like whatever i'm feeling is that anxiety am i being depressed if you're in your head for too long you will get anxiety you will get, i mean at least i'm not i mean i'm not a doctor or anything but this is based off of what i personally feel i mean especially during the last year or so after graduation mm -hmm. i was you know, talking to myself for a very long time and then i would see these people online saying oh i got mental health i have anxiety i need to go see a doctor i think it's just you over like talking to yourself way too much externally or internally both no mostly internal i don't know okay. it's external and that's a different topic but uh, mostly internally like you keep thinking about yourself, about where you are, especially if you're in a bad spot, you're under pressure, you know, everyone's telling you, I mean, my entire family asked me if I got a job every week or so. I mean, I, and I keep telling them, guys, if I got a job, you'll be the first people to know. Stop asking me. Stop asking me. Yeah. Right. Eventually, like I was close to like to a breaking point at one point, but in terms of what do you mean exactly like i was just about to lose it in general you to know them? like no not to them like with myself okay. mostly okay but the key to like get these thoughts away from your head is to first of all keep yourself busy second of all social media stop looking at other people's successes because everyone has their own story first oh, of all deep. yeah absolutely right like there's no it's not a race some people get rich at 50 some people get their dream job at 60 like you'll never know so were you putting early milestones on your life saying hey by this time i have to do this or by this time i have to make it or i never i never put deadlines okay. or timelines for myself because a lot of people do i don't even plan what i'm gonna eat tomorrow right so so from what i'm understanding what you're saying is if you think too much about it then you will be that thing that you're thinking of if you're constantly in a state of positivity then those darker thoughts will not come it doesn't even have to be positive like positivity just keep yourself busy but don't you think that is i could definitely see people hear that and say that's more of a band-aid on the actual problem than actually trying to solve that problem because some people those problems stem from them being traumatized as a as a young young individual right maybe they're in a toxic household and 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 through that that can stem anxiety and and obsessive no, of course no yeah of course like yeah i mean some cases again I'm, uh, I'm gonna say this again i'm not a doctor but like some cases where somebody's traumatized when they were a kid they were in a toxic household yes i do believe in that they will have mental health growing up like mental issues growing up they should seek help and they should definitely seek help you know because i mean when you're a kid you learn from what you're surrounded by right i mean if you're in a household where your parents are always fighting or they don't treat you too well that becomes your normal exactly so that's the key like you got to be your normal so if you're raised in a decent household good parents yeah. good family a lot of friends that would be your your normal right mm -hmm. so that would be my case so if my normal is having a decent life with good friends surrounding me and then I reach a point where I start talking to myself because I don't have a job or everyone around me is being successful. I'm, I'm not, especially during COVID, because that's the toughest part. Mm -hmm. Being secluded almost? Yeah. I From mean, so one, once I start talking to myself and saying, 
man, like, is this anxiety or what am I feeling? Then I'd remember that like, this is not my norm. So I'll just get my, yeah, I'll just get myself busy with anything. And, uh, the key is to just to be patient, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I remember there was a time where me and a bunch of our friends went to go see you on your balcony. Yeah. And that was when you had... Uh, I was quarantining. Yeah, you were quarantining. And it felt like you were almost, not an animal, but someone that was caged <laughs> up. And and all you had was us trying to talk. If this was something that would to constantly go on, I could see someone really feel the effects of being secluded, right? Because yeah. if you have a roommate, it's just you and your roommate. And nobody can come in. No one can go out. So you get food delivered. You know what I'm talking about? Some yeah. people can't take it, so they just say, fuck it, I'm going to take the car and go somewhere, even though you're supposed to be home the entire time. So that was very interesting, uh, having that experience where I was, we were just talking to you, and I was like, man, this guy is, is just, he's stuck. He's stuck for, <laughs> I don't know, a week, two weeks, he's stuck. Up I mean, there. Funny thing is, even before I had to uh, quarantine, I didn't even leave the house back then. Like, it was just way too cold. Like, you want to stay home. That was cold. Now, imagine now. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm quarantining without anyone telling me (laughs) to. Seriously, (laughs) because of the weather. Yeah. I really love what you said about how you are not your your thoughts, pretty much. These thoughts may come and go, but this is very philosophical. You can tell me if this is a bit too much to grasp. But how I see it is some people can have bad days. Some people can have good days. But you are the observer of your thoughts you are not you don't have to be attached to that traumatic experience when you were seven or the pressures that your parents might have for you you are not those thoughts those thoughts come kind of like the clouds come and then they go when it rains and then it goes and you just kind of watch them is that too philosophical does that make sense no that makes perfect sense. so in one of the classes i remember reading that and i just thought that was so profound because it's very easy to understand there's rainy days there's bad days there's beautiful days but just because it's a bad day doesn't mean you're a bad person. For someone that is currently applying to a job, it must be a sign of relief to... Oh, you have no idea. I mean, I finally wake up with something to do. <laughs> so you're saying before it was just a matter of waking up and just trying to fill your days with things, whereas now... Trying just to figure out what I'm going to fill my day with, you know? And some days I'd sit there for six, seven hours trying to think what I would do. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, like you'd get so bored, you'd start cleaning places you've never cleaned in your house. (laughs) And there's only so many shows you can watch. Exactly. And especially I'm not a big Netflix guy. Like, I'm always three, four years late on every show. Uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, a lot of my friends can vouch for that. (laughs) So instead of, uh, you know, watching Netflix or play games, I mean, I get bored from games very quickly. Now it's that you wake up super early, I presume. Yeah, 6, 5.30 a.m. And you go to bed around 10. That is crazy. Are you the type of person that sleeps in a lot before you had a I'm the type of person that I need to get at least eight hours of sleep. That's good that you or barely else, sleep. Yeah, I don't uh, as much as I should. Yeah, or else I'm just gonna wake up very grumpy, no motivation whatsoever. You know, like oh. it's a, like if you feel forced to wake up, that's that's the worst feeling. Okay, okay. And I have recently invested in an alarm clock, not actually having a clock on my phone, but actually buying an alarm clock where it rings. That's it's a game changer for me because I put my phone away from my bed. It's such a small, subtle thing to do, but yeah, for it's me, a it, huge impact. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of doing that. Should show me that alarm clock. (laughs) I will. I will. So you touched on it, but you said how you were in a very 
tough spot from the moment you graduated to the moment we're here. If somebody asked you, hey, have you ever been depressed? Is that something you instantly say, oh, I remember a time when, when this happened no, to me? Or no, I've, you don't associate? I've, I've never been depressed. Not, not a single day. Okay. Okay. I mean, depression is, is a very big word. It shouldn't be used lightly. I Absolutely. Mean, and and yeah. for someone who studies it, I always tell people, some people passively say, oh my God, I'm so depressed or oh, I have OCD. I'm like, dude, do you know what OCD is? It's freaking out about everything. Obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah, yeah. So you can be sitting here and maybe this wire is moving in a different angle that you don't like and you, you freak out on that or, or this is not perfectly set. So that, yeah, so I, mean, I try to tell people. I'm assuming there's like severe cases. Severe, and like, yeah. severe, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like there's OCD in, uh, in all of us. Like, to a certain extent. Yeah. To a certain extent. But but not enough to get a diagnosis. <laughs> no, yeah, of course not. But I mean, yeah, like the words depression or anxiety, you can't use them lightly. No. I mean, you can't just say, oh, I'm depressed just because you had a bad day. <laughs> I mean, if you keep saying that, eventually you will be you depressed, will be, right? guaranteed, like guaranteed. Or every time you you're anxious about something, and you keep saying, "Oh my God, I have anxiety," mm. or uh, I mean, yeah, if you keep saying that to yourself, you will be diagnosed with anxiety eventually. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. you you tell me you're the one who studied. Well, yes, the mind is is very odd in terms of it's not able to distinguish between. Between, for example, if you imagine something and actually being in that state. So, so if you imagine what it feels like to to win ten thousand dollars and to and to physically see ten thousand dollars in your bank account, if you really delve in deep, deep, and you really think about it, your mind won't understand the difference. So the same thing with if you tell yourself, "Oh man, what's the point of even waking up today? There's not much to do. I'm unemployed. I'm." I'm 28 i'm still doing this and this what's the point i'm never gonna find a job then your mind's gonna associate okay so these like negative thoughts are constantly coming in it's something where we can call it a self-fulfilling prophecy where you believe in something and then your mind takes that and then feeds that back to you in a loop and then more of those thoughts come in that's why they always say even something as simple as putting positive music when i say positive music uplifting upbeat something that gets your heart going instead of sometimes i catch myself doing this where i'll make a playlist about just sad songs, about depressing songs, about breakup songs. Either they might be catchy or they might be something that I really like to hear at 2 a.m. when I'm driving. It's like, what? <laughs> why am I putting my energy in that when, when I could put my energy in something else, right? Yeah. I notice, and I've lived here almost the majority of my life, I've, I notice a lot of foreigners, a lot of Arabs, when they come here in their 20s, they feel that back home they were almost caged and in a way where... They weren't allowed to do certain things because maybe they had, yeah, they believe in God or whatnot, but they were afraid of doing something because word might get back to their parents or it's just a bad look on the reputation of the family. But if somebody comes here, and I've seen this wallah, through several individuals, they will party like no tomorrow. They will drink. Maybe back home they would drink, but it was very, very difficult. They do so much shit almost to not get out of the system, but it's something maybe they missed out on, right? Yeah, I've seen a lot of those people. I mean, and it's it's very natural for a human being. Like, if the more you restrict them from doing something or having something, the more they would want it, right? So if you look at all the laws back home, like mm -hmm. most Arab countries don't have any clubs or discos or alcohol permitted anywhere. And they'll see. see all these things on social media, all these rappers or... Uh, 
celebrities or people in movies they see them doing all this stuff going to bars drinking so once they come here and they finally don't have someone looking uh, down upon them such as their parents and then suddenly they realize they have the freedom to do all these things they just go crazy yeah. just on a like on a spree <laughs> on a it's, forbidden spree yeah <laughs> it's weird because in the beginning i thought this was something that didn't make sense because i came here when i was three so pretty much i'm going to say i lived here my whole life so i look at these people and i say how are they doing much more bad in the eyes of the arab community and me who i have these things around me all the time i have had the chance to to drink i've had the chance to do x y and z but these people that have never it's almost like saying hey don't touch this red button do not i'm telling you if you touch something something's gonna happen so if someone wants to touch it and you deprive them of it eventually when nobody's around or whatever one day they'll just say fuck it i and they'll, they'll press it except when when you deny someone from pressing a red button you don't even know the consequence of what's going to happen if you press the red button but i'm sure every arab who's lived back home knows the consequence of drinking you know, of doing all those things that they couldn't do back home how do they know the consequences of these things if they've never done it i mean we'd see it in movies i mean we'd hear it on the news drunk drivers or uh okay you know whether it's uh some type of std that you would get you know i mean we know the risks uh -huh. there's a reason why they're you know forbidden back home mm -hmm. right people don't see it that way though because no, they no. the moment would feel that they're being restricted of fun it's like if i live in the middle east why is my cousin in canada able to do these things and they're they're offered to him but i can't i guess if you're close to your faith maybe that wouldn't bother you as much because you're so tied with it but when i went to iraq in 2014 wallah i saw things i didn't understand because i was saying but you're supposed to be super religious and whatever and their parents had no idea they had this double life. And I could relate in a sense where here, I do have this, not anymore. I can honestly, well, let's say that not really anymore because I'm very open with my parents. But early on, as early as two, three years ago, if I'm not home and I'm outside, I obviously listen to music. I would do things that would be considered this is wrong. But the moment I come here and that my dad's upstairs or whatever, I'll have to act like I am a super religious guy, religious or different different person than if i'm outside with my boys or or, or friends so that double life causes tremendous I mean, split the, stress the, the key word is faith i mean depending on how big your faith is mm. it wouldn't be a double life it would be just one life really i mean if you have faith good point in your religion no matter where you go whether it's here or back home in iraq you're gonna be you're gonna act the same right okay so fall on the individual exactly yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah so there is something that i was talking about with friends a few days ago you might know them their name is nur and wahid <laughs> i'm familiar with them <laughs> and i remember we were just talking about how the west is so driven on the concept of consumerism and how people here can make more money than some people back home would ever see or ever make but yet people back home would be more happier than people here will ever be and how we're just saying that the whole concept of everything is driven by getting the next best thing or getting new tech human beings are innately their attention span just keeps getting shorter and shorter especially with this whole digital era and we were saying how the west is so consumer based whereas the east side of the world is not as much what do you say to that I disagree with that. Oh, you disagree Especially with Especially with someone who, who used to live there. There, it's like a competition. Who has the better phone? Who has the better car? 
if anything, I feel like there's more consumerism. Consumerism, yeah. Uh, back home. Ah. I mean, and it's crazy. Every time I'd go back, you'd see billboards. I mean, Kuwait's a very rich country. Yeah, true. You'd see billboards uh, of like different uh, car models, whether it's a Maserati or a Ferrari or Lamborghini. Okay. Every year, it's a different billboard, and you'd see like uh, all these cars around. And if someone has a specific car, the other guy wants the same one. And it's very accessible to them there, more, much more than here. Okay. If you, yeah, if you think about it, I mean, consumerism is spread all, all over the world. Yeah. Okay. It all depends on that person's goals or achievements that he uh, wants to achieve. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say uh, someone doesn't have a plan doesn't have his life planned ahead mm-hmm. doesn't know what he's going to do in a year mm-hmm. or so where he wants to be whether he wants to get a promotion or not these sort of things shouldn't be on his mind you know like getting the best watch or the best kicks mm-hmm. if these things are on it on somebody's mind then he's probably not planning the right way if okay. that makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. however it's just it sounds nice when you say it but everyone does it man I, even... I'm, I'm guilty of it trust okay. me but uh, I, I was more guilty of consumerism like when I was younger, maybe in, during school days. Well, mashallah, you have a nice whip. So oh, thank you. Just I to mean, say. I mean, I did have a car back then that mm-hmm. was uh, not as nice as the one right now. And I guess, yeah, exactly. That's one, one, uh, example. one example of me. And it's not saying that, oh, how dare you get something. So, no, no I mean, it's just. I mean, look. Listen, if I worked hard to get it. Exactly, yeah, okay. Why not get it? There's nothing wrong with that. This is the last thing I'll say about this, which was, I think what my friends were trying to say, as well as me, was saying people that are much, I don't like to use the word poor, are much less wealthy in other parts of the world, are more happy. There's been studies where they show that people that have less gain more. I 100% agree with that. I uh, mean, I was, I've seen uh, my own eyes. I was in uh, the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. back in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I was stuck in this resort for an entire week. Stuck? Why? Like oh, you'll see why, okay, uh, okay. why I would say that in a bit. And so I was in this resort filled with all these tourists. And, you know, of course, everybody's happy. Who, who won't be happy in a, in a resort on the beach during winter? But then well, once you get out of the resort and you see the locals living there i mean when i say poverty that's an understatement i mean it's like you just went from a five-star resort to a to one of the poorest countries you'll ever see but here's the thing i swear to god i did not see a single sad face on the street every like every like civilian who was living there and they were happy yeah all they had was a beer in their hand on their uh, dirt bikes yeah. sitting on the on the curb or yeah. on the sidewalk yeah and they're all just they all have smiles on their faces man that's crazy i mean and here's the reason why they have these smiles on their faces because they haven't seen the outside world they haven't seen the bad side of consumerism mm. right absolutely i mean if you're if you grow up in a poor life you won't consider yourself poor until you see the guy who's richer than you. Since they were never exposed to that, you know, luxurious lifestyle. I mean, if they see the lifestyle in the Western countries or like in any other country, those smiles would probably go away. 
mm. right? Because then they would want that. Then yeah, they would realize, so damn, I don't have everything. But you're always, you know, surrounded by people who are happy. And, you know, you just thank God for what you have and that you're alive. You have both yeah, legs, both feet, yeah. you know, you're breathing. Yeah. You have good food. Why would that smile go away? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's all. I don't want to make this too preachy. But at the end of the day, that's all you really need. If you have some sort of roof over your head. I don't know if these people did even have a roof over their head. Yeah, but, I don't know either. But, but <laughs> they still had a smile. It reminds me of when I went to Iraq and I wanted to with my uncle. We got a truck and we filled it with, with food and the entire neighborhood helped us and bought food and we put it in this truck. Then we drove all the way out to the suburbs and then there were people, man. I remember I was wearing a shirt that had the word Nike on it mm. and these kids, I guess, saw that word and maybe they saw it on a TV, maybe they had or something and they were just pointing to, to this, right? And there were some mothers that didn't have milk. It was just very eye-opening to me because it was my first time outside of Canada seeing how people, they don't have anything. But they're playing with mud and they're, they're, they're imagining stuff. So the kid wanted the shirt and I, I gave him the shirt. But I, I started getting emotional. It was weird. I got emotional and I couldn't understand why at that moment. So it's, 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 it's similar in a way when you bring up these these kids or the residents don't have anything but they're so damn happy because to them they think they have everything yeah right yeah yeah until yeah. you see what's you know what's out there mm -hmm. yeah you're always going to be happy right there's this quote where it says that the worst thing that can happen to you is once you get a level of success and it's taken away from you because then you know oh this is what there is you know this whole world and now i'm back fucking doing this so to introduce that lifestyle and then you work so hard for it and then somehow that goes away, that would be the worst rather than just being broke. That's why you shouldn't take everything for granted. For granted, yeah. Yeah, and you just gotta, you gotta always appreciate what you have mm -hmm. or else, you know, you never know. One day all that might go away and then you'd realize what, you know, happiness for you is. I hear that a lot from a lot of people, a lot of episodes that I'll listen to from other podcasts, how they say, be grateful for what you have. But I was asking myself, because when I heard that, I said, okay, that's nice. But how, how do I be grateful for what I have? So I literally took it very, very literal. I took a paper and I wrote five things that I'm grateful for. I'm very visual. I don't know how you are, but I need to see stuff out. So every day I almost get reminded about, oh, okay, yes, yes. I have my health, of course. I mean, yeah, I of course, it's one thing to remind yourself what you have. But I mean, the best way you can appreciate and show people like that you appreciate what you have it's just by being humble. Humble. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Humble. I mean, it's, yeah. it's as simple as that. Yeah. If you're too cocky, you go show off everything that you have, you know, looking down upon people who are have less than you, mm -hmm. then, I mean, karma is going to hit you one day and it's going to yeah. take everything away from you. This is a vague question, but I am curious to hear what you say. What do you think happiness is? Again, uh, just like the last topic, happiness is just appreciating all the good things that you have, especially when you see someone who has less than you. Mm -hmm. you thank God. Obviously, I'm a religious guy, so mm -hmm. I always thank God for what, uh, for what I have. Mm -hmm. Whenever I see someone who, let's say I, I love playing soccer, right? And if I see someone who has a knee injury and it's a long-term injury, mm -hmm. I, I would immediately say Alhamdulillah, right? So for I the mean, good and for the bad. Exactly. So, I mean, it could have been worse for the guy. That's why, that's one reason I would say Alhamdulillah. And the second reason I would say that is, thank God, I don't, I don't, you know, my knee's fine. Because if I was in 
I mean, it reminded me of uh, a friend of mine last year. He broke his ankle and he had to do this big surgery and he wasn't allowed to play soccer for two years. And he used to play with us all the time. I mean, I swear to God, uh, it's, that moment, it hit me hard. Like how much I should start appreciating what I have. I mean, a, a simple injury like that would really, really wreck me. So, I mean, that's one way of uh, defining happiness for me personally. Okay. For people that heard the word Alhamdulillah, it means praise be to God. So for the good and for the bad. So if something bad happens to you, we're always saying Alhamdulillah because it could always be worse. If someone came to you and said, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in a creator. What would you tell someone? Oof, I would tell them a lot. I mean, here's the thing. A lot of people ask me that question, especially oh, okay. white people. And I don't want to, I don't want to dig in too deep into the Islam point of view uh, to like whoever asks me because they might, you know, it might push them away. Uh, they might not agree with me. A lot of people dedicate their whole lives to try to answer that question, right? Usually I, I like to give an example from the Quran and the first one that pops to my mind is this phrase from Surah Ar-Rahman where uh, God says, so what that means is the definition scientifically so keep in mind the quran was written back 1500 years ago like give or take mm -hmm. so what this phrase is saying is when clear water meets with salty water mm. they don't mix mm. there's a fine line between them where they don't mix yeah. And this was later scientifically proven much like many, many years after that phrase was, you know, written in the Quran. And that should, like, and this was proven, I think, in the, in somewhere in the Mediterranean. They did find where uh, this lake met with uh, so, like salt water. Mm -hmm. And you would clearly see this fine line between them. Okay. And these waters would never mix. I mean, how would someone know that back in the day? You would never, you, you know, some things you can't prove without scientific, you know, evidence, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's just one example. There's like hundreds of other examples where things were written in the Quran way before they were discovered mm -hmm. yeah. scientifically. I've talked to many people, just give them a small example, and they would come back to me and ask me a, more. a ton more questions. Uh -huh. If money wasn't an issue for you, what would be the first problem that you would try to take care of on earth? Poverty. Poverty? A hundred percent. Okay. I try to put myself in their shoes. And I'm talking extreme poverty. I mean, I'm, of course, if money is not an issue, I'm going to solve every you know situation of poverty in the world. But I would start with, I mean, the people in Africa or in the, the Arab world or Asia or wherever they are. The people who have no access to water or yeah. food or uh, shelter or even clothes, man. I've watched National Geographic. I've seen a lot of uh, bad people in bad situations. And I just try to put myself in their shoes. And again, that's... It's, a, it's very hard, dude. It's all... Oh, it's just it's extremely hard. Nothing? It's almost incomprehensible I mean, to... It's especially not having access to water. I mean, can you imagine not no. living no. without having a glass of water every day? No, no, no. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, that would definitely be, be the first thing on my agenda okay. a lot of people if you ask them a question what would be the first thing you do if you were in charge of a country a president or whatever a lot of people will say the right things but in psychology we'll learn that it's not always the truth because they might believe that 
But once the opportunity comes in their hand and they really have the power, they will do things that would even surprise themselves about how good or bad they are. And that's when it highlights their true character. Because it's, it's very easy to say, hey, I would help all the children around the world and I would try to eliminate student debt or just stuff that are very impactful where the people would say, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, we believe this. But then once you really take that next step and you have that power, a lot of people fold and will do stuff that you would never really think would you have that much power man i can't not agree with you because i mean let's be honest there's a lot of powerful people in the world mm -hmm. right there's a lot of billionaires out there and poverty is still an issue yeah i just read a statistic the other day about jeff bezos i mean just the amount of money that he has and i don't know the guy I don't, no. maybe he's doing a lot of charity work yeah. That, yeah. that we don't know about however like if i had enough like money as much as he did i would solve a lot of problems man Right. I mean, but th that's when greed comes in. Yeah, but you're not saying that he's a greedy person. I'm not saying he's a greedy person because I don't know the guy. Know. I don't know the guy. The guy's yeah. a, it's, he's a very successful person, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But I mean, just like you said, if someone had that much money, you would probably expect to see a lot of change if he's a good guy. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. No, no, no. I, I but it's just, it's not just him. There's a lot of other, you know, wealthy people out mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. And yet you come to wonder is like none of them are uh, are good people are none of them thinking about uh, poverty no it's a naive way of thinking i think because then you're instantly assuming something i'm, I'm not i'm not presuming anything it just makes you wonder sometimes right yeah mm. exactly like there must be one good guy out there right i mean <laughs> we should give the money to the right person <laughs> the amount of assumptions it's all theoretical how are we to know if we had a hundred million dollars what we would do yeah, I guess we'll never know until we... Until we get there. Yeah. Until we get there, absolutely. So, Ali, in a university class that I took called Relationships, there was this professor that had been working there for 30 to 40 years, and he was saying something along the lines of, would you rather have your lifelong partner complete you or compliment you? If you want to think about it for a second, this was something in the 70s he asked the students, and then in 2014 when he asked me in the class, we give a different answer. So what do you think the answer was to that question? Well, back in the day, I would definitely want someone to be there to complete me yeah because well first of all i think back in the day you would have someone to complete you and would compliment you at the same time but by compliment i also mean the personality when someone completes you it's that codependence so without them you're nothing nowadays i definitely see people just want the attention and mm -hmm. compliments because mm -hmm. that's you know their uh, daily dose of dopamine yeah. that they would want yeah so yeah i definitely think nowadays people would want compliments over completion yeah you're right and yeah that's uh that's how he was saying it, how we're more independent now and we just want someone to be there by our side rather than have somebody that without them we are nothing and i found that super fascinating so have you ever thought of what it'd be like to be a parent and how to navigate through raising a child in this society in this circumstance because i know for me it crosses my mind maybe once every few weeks, once a month about, you know, I've, I've recently been thinking about it and I don't think I've ever said this out loud, but I'm absolutely terrified, terrified okay. of raising my children in this day and age. A lot of people can probably relate to that. Oh man. I mean, give me some concerns that you have because okay. I can give you one right now. It's about how the child 
can get so addicted to their phone that we give them at such a young age. Super addicting. The same way you could be addicted to alcohol, same way you could be addicted to gambling. The same neurotransmitters fire in your brain. When you get a text message, it's the same way people, when they gamble, they get that rush. So that is one thing that I'm concerned about, giving my child a phone. And I can't imagine five, ten years from now, when they are children, how they're just going to be the social pressure of, of getting the newest thing. If they see their friends have a phone, they're going to be like, hey, dad, why can't I have one? And they're children, so they don't know the effects, what these things have to do with them. And I also don't like how the, a bunch of parents out there will give a toddler an iPad just to shut them up. Yeah. And that is... I mean, I mean I'm, I'm trying to remember how it was back for me. I mean, back from I was young. Mm-hmm. I think maybe only one person in class had a phone. And it wasn't even, you know, back in the day, it was a, an old Nokia or something. Yeah, where those flip phones? Yeah, it was like black and white or black and green. Yeah. It was uh, like, it was nothing fancy, but back in the day, it was pretty fancy, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. imagine if you see one guy having a phone in class mm-hmm. and how much you wanted it back then. But think about how right now, if uh, you send your kid to school without a phone, Mm-hmm. But everyone in class has a phone. So it's pretty much the opposite yeah. of yep. how it was That's back true. then. That's true. I think it's much more difficult nowadays with all the social pressure on the kids. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, yeah, that social pressure, man, can get a child to do a lot of oh, things. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I, I have no idea where to start with raising my children. I'm no expert. I'm definitely going to rely on my parents to help me out a bit. Would you ever consider taking them back home? Oh, 100%. I will... If anything, I'd take them back home right when they were born. Okay. I mean, maybe not directly, but I want them to at least experience the lifestyle back there, the lifestyle that I grew up in. Here in Canada, for example, versus raising your children back home, back in in Kuwait, let's say. It's it's a big difference. Uh And I think there's a lot of uh, pros to raising your children here. The equality of, uh, you know, the quality of rights for everyone, everyone's equal. I mean, that's one of the things that I love it about here. Yeah. That's something that, you know, we lacked back in Kuwait, unfortunately. Oh, even back in Iraq, 100%. Yeah. Even when I went back in 2014, my Arabic isn't the best. I can speak, I can understand, I could write. But when people heard me speak there, they, they made knew, fun of me. Yeah, they knew you, you were a foreigner. And my dad told me, to remember the script and he told me if anyone asks you where you're from i had to tell them the address where i was from but it's bullshit i didn't live there but i had to tell them yeah this is where i lived and then they're like bro you're not from here where are you from <laughs> and then when i told them where i was from in i'm from canada voila they would look at me and say why are you here it's almost like they were disgusted at me coming to visit here when they would love to be in my shoes and i'm sure they knew However, next week, next month, next year, I'm going to go back to Canada, whereas they're not. So they maybe had that attitude towards me, and it really rubbed me the wrong way. Do you think it would be, it would bring a lot of pressure if your kid, maybe, would you allow them to go into a career, anything they would like to? Or would you try to give that stereotypical talk of, hey, doctor or lawyer? No, I would never do, I would, I mean, I would never tell them what to do and the, the reason i say that is i mean my parents never told me what to do they implicitly told me you know what do you want you know they they threw a bunch of 
careers in my head, you know, accountant or lawyer or engineer or doctor. And they basically gave me the freedom to choose. But I ended up choosing uh, like engineering. And two years into engineering, I realized it's not what I want. I would definitely want to educate my kid at the end of high school, right when he's about to enter college. I want him to go and explore the different fields out there, different types of careers, not just the so name true. like, uh, so oh, you can either be a doctor or a, or an engineer. No, like I want to show him what kind of engineer or and if he's interested about specific engineering, I would try my best to let him explore that. You know, I'll try to find someone I know who works in that field and kind of let him talk to him, see how what kind of what kind of a career he would have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, if someone, you know, back in the day, if someone told me what an engineer would do mm -hmm. i would have never chosen it honestly or what an, at least what an engineer would study yeah, yeah i would have never in a million years would have chosen engineering mm -hmm. i really wish i had someone to you know show me all those careers back in the day so the last thing to end every episode i always ask the guest what their mentality is in life because a podcast is called the mentality podcast so I wanted to know where your mentality is in life right now. My, my mentality at the moment mm -hmm. is uh, it's very positive. It's very uh, career oriented, okay. if I if I can say that. All I want to do is kind of focus on the job that I have right now, okay. see where I'm headed. I mean, I'm still young. Thank you, Ali, so much. Thank you so much for having Anytime. you come on to the episode. Yeah. And we'll definitely do this again. Absolutely. Can't wait. Yeah. Take care, bro. Peace out.